All right, it is sports mashup number 47, January 19th, 2022 is the year, and the number of episodes is number 47, of course, as I already said. We'll start in the NBA, which is where we always start, and uh, as the season goes along, interesting things have gone down. The Ben Simmons thing has lasted this entire time. We've seen a little bit of clarification or different things happen with the Kyrie Irving situation, and the other big situation in the league has to be Ben Simmons, and I don't know if this is true. But there was a rumor out there that the Pistons reportedly offered Jeremy Grant, who, by the way, I believe was on either was on the team for the U.S. Olympic team last year or was on the team and then got COVID or something like that. I don't remember if he played or not. Uh, Sadiq Bey, who's a young forward, I believe, out of Villanova. Kelly Olynyk and a first-round pick to the Sixers for Ben Simmons. Sixers said no. Who do the Sixers think Ben Simmons is? Well, yeah, I mean, they lose all that contract that he's worth too they get a young Sadiq Bay is a young player probably a good seven or eight at one at some point Olenek's a veteran who knows how much he's actually going to play Grant is a little overpaid but he's a very solid four and you get a pick out of it probably a late first round pick who knows what you get with that we've seen in recent years players falling into the late first round second round I'll use a biased example Io DeSumo being a second round pick is ridiculous given what he's done for the Bulls there's lots of players like that in college. Desmond Bain's a guy who fell into the middle of the first round to the Grizzlies. He's been a stud. So the Sixers, I, who knows if this is true? I mean, there's a lot of things that are made up, and that could be made up. But if that is true, that's really bad by the Sixers. You got to take that. Yeah. And then uh, Bull Bull is on the move again after he just got traded to the Nuggets from uh, – where did he come – where did he go – um, was it, I, I feel like he was drafted by Brooklyn and they got traded by Brooklyn in that draft, something like that. Um, let me see here. He was drafted by the Heat and then was traded from the Heat to the Nuggets. And then he played last year on the or two years ago in the G League for the Windy City Bulls. But he just got traded to the Nuggets. Yeah, he probably I didn't really read too much about him. On that, let's see here. Um, traded. I don't see any trades here to the Nuggets, other than the uh, Heat anyway, one in the draft. There's a three-team deal. The Spurs, Nuggets, and Celtics are involved. The Nuggets get Bren Forbes from the Spurs. The Celtics get Bull Bull and PJ Dozier from the Nuggets. And the Spurs get Celtics, Juancho Hernan Gomez, and Denver's 2028 second-round pick. I mean, that's just a shut-up, we'll-get-the-deal-done pick, I think. 2028, yeah. Yeah, Six years down the road, you're going to get a pick? Just maybe needed a little bit of an extra sweetener. Maybe the owner said, hey, get me a pick. Okay, 2028 second, here you go. Okay, done. But, Uh, uh, I don't know who this really helps. I mean, the Celtics get a, a backup center and a. I like the Nuggets. Guard. I like the Nuggets standpoint. Bryn Forbes is a very good three point shooter. So, I think was he was he on the Bucks last year? I want to say he was on the Bucks last year. Maybe he's just been a Spur this entire time. No, he was on the Bucks last year. So he was drafted or he was undrafted, played for the Spurs from 16 to 20, played for the Bucks last year, obviously won a title last year, and then uh got came back to the Spurs this year. Michigan State is where he went. 28 years old though, he's a good shooter. So 
And I hope the Nuggets bench. The NBA All-Star Weekend, February 18th through the 20th in Cleveland. Yeah, I don't know if you could uh, pay me to spend more than a week in Cleveland um, at this point. I mean, I've been there. It's enough. I don't really like it. But, hey, I like when the NBA All-Star Games are in, you know, interesting cities. And the Cavaliers this season have been very good. Like, they could end up being a top three seed in the East, especially given the Brooklyn Nets' Kevin Durant injury, which we did not put on the dock. But worth mentioning, Durant's going to be out a pretty extended period of time with a knee injury. And you still have Kyrie only playing the road games. Nets could slip. The Bulls have dealt with tons of is- uh, issues in COVID and injuries. The Cavs are a team that's surging. I think they're but I saw, right now. I saw the Nets. Uh, Kyrie can play home games. He just has to pay a fine or whatever. Yeah, I think it's the Nets paying the fine. And after like the fourth fine, it's like a five thousand, and then that's the cap. It just stays at five thousand every game he plays at home. Yeah, I mean, I would do it. So at some points, the Nets pull that trigger. Is it on the Nets or is it on a fine to Kyrie? I believe it's the Nets who would pay it. But even if even if it's on Kyrie, I mean, he's making more than five thousand a game. Yeah. Well, I mean, maybe he would change his mind if it was him paying the fine, but I believe it's the Nets paying the fine. So, Isn't he getting fined on the games he sits out? That's a good question. I don't know. I don't. I wouldn't think so because that's like a government thing. That's not really him. It's not the NBA either because the, the, NBA's, the NBA does not have the rule that you have to get vaccinated to play. It's the city of New York. So I feel like the NBA couldn't fine him for that. Um. All right, let's move to the NFL wild card, super wild card weekend. A lot of duds. I mean, there was a lot of bad games. But the first game was okay. Bengals beat the Raiders 26-19. First playoff win since Boomer Esiason was the quarterback of the Bengals in 1991. You couldn't send text messages when the Bengals won the championship. The first text was sent in 92. Out of the Saturday games, I thought this might have been the blowout game. Yeah, the Raiders are a team that keeps games close. So that's kind of why I didn't think that uh too much i i just think they lack on their back end other than abrams so i thought they'd be throwing the ball over him yeah josh jacobs showed up they had baller back gritty effort from the Bengals to keep it close i mean a little bit of a Better play call, maybe not spike the ball in the first and goal on that last drive, and then they threw it a, about a yard short of the end zone on the fourth and goal, and they could have tied the game. But uh, you can't really talk about this game without talking about the whistle that blew on the T. Higgins touchdown. Was it Boyd or Higgins? One of the two. When the whistle blew in the middle of the throw because they thought Burrow stepped out of bounds, and he didn't. It was a good touchdown. It should have – like, legally it was good, except for the fact they blew the whistle in the middle of the play. And the Raiders kind of stopped playing for a second. And Higgins or Boyd, I can't remember which one. They both were 85-83, uh, was wide open. And the rule says if the whistle blows, the play is dead. And they didn't do that. The crew in that game was atrocious. Wait, so they counted it? They counted the touchdown, yeah. So that that crew right there, I believe it's the Jerome Boger crew, they're out. They're not doing any more games in the playoffs because of how bad they were. So, yeah, and then the Bills destroyed. I mean, just Patriots. dismantled them. Just destroyed them. And I think you can look at this game and say it's fair to say that everybody overanalyzed and over – they expected too much from the Patriots. This is a team that was not expected to do very well this season. The Belichick factor obviously helps them, but – 
they overachieved, I think, because they had a big winning streak that pretty much propelled them into a playoff spot. Remember, this is a team with a rookie quarterback, a defense that, to be fair, is pretty old, but also has a lot of really like Judon's a stud, Winovich is a stud, JC Jackson's a stud. Yeah, I mean, but they, they still have a lot of issues. Yeah, I mean, they brought Kyle Van Oy back, who's only like good when he's a Patriot. Yeah. But and they made some offensive adjustments, getting a couple tight ends in there. Their defense had played good coming into this, so I expected them to at least keep it a close game. I think I don't think the Patriots had any chance in this game from when it started, but the Micah Hyde interception on the first drive from New uh, when Mac Jones threw it to the end zone, just an amazing play, and I think that kind of just killed the Patriots because they had that was a, they were going places in that drive. They were moving the ball. Mac Jones had like a twelve yard run on third down. Throws down the field and Hyde just makes an incredible play. And I think the Bills are a team that's playing with a chip on their shoulder. Like they had the number one defense by many stats in the league, zero Pro Bowlers on the defensive end. Now the Pro Bowl is ridiculously stupid, but you can have some motivation from that. And I think the Bills, I would let's just put it this way: I would be surprised the Bills don't come out of the AFC. That's how much I think of them. So we'll see. Uh, but then you go into Sunday. And your team, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, just dismantled the Eagles as well. 31-15, it really wasn't that close. As I told you off-air before we got on, the Eagles abandoned the run when they were down 7-0 and when they were down 14-0. And that's pretty much the number one thing that they could do on offense, and they stopped doing it. That's what Hurts does best is run. And they pretty much stopped doing it, and it just killed them. Yeah, I mean, Miles Sanders, he he rushed back from an injury to play, and he didn't do much at all. Yeah, I mean, yeah, Boston Scott had like a 31 or 34-yard rush at the end of the game. But other than that, they limited the rush from the Eagles. Let's be honest. Seven to eight to maybe nine times out of ten, the seven seed with the extra seed, the seven seed's not going to be a team that belongs. And both of them this season did not belong. And I don't understand why anybody, including myself, I thought the Eagles would keep it close and cover – but I don't know why anybody thought the Eagles had a chance to ever win that game. It's just it's two completely different teams. One team is far better than the other, clearly. And uh, I'm surprised that people kind of like the Eagles in that game. That does surprise me still. But, uh, all right, the Cowboys, I mean, what can you say? They choke again. 49ers beat them 23-17 in Dallas. The Jets have more playoff wins than the Cowboys in the last 20 years. It's pretty much all I need to know. And, by the way, the Jets haven't been to the playoffs in 12 years. And then you had what Dax comment after the game when supposedly the fans were throwing stuff on the field where they were throwing at the refs, and he said, good. Credit to them, yeah. And then he apologized for that yesterday, but still, just stupid. Heat of the moment stuff, I get it. But Mike McCarthy's getting a lot of heat on the internet. And I'm seeing a lot of tweets about, I don't think we talk about how Aaron Rodgers won a Super Bowl with Mike McCarthy enough. He's he's one of the best of all time just solely because of that, which – I mean, I've watched every Mike McCarthy game in Green Bay, and I i mean, I don't think he's a good fit for this this type of game. Like, what the game has turned into, I don't think he's a good fit for that because I don't think he's that great of an X's and O's guys. Now, I think one thing that hurts him is that he doesn't call plays, even though he really wasn't good at calling plays late in his career in Green Bay especially. But it, we're just kind of seeing that I think – Similar to the way people analyze the Brady Belichick thing, clearly Rodgers had a much bigger impact on the Packers' success than McCarthy did. I think that's pretty clear, uh, especially given what Rodgers has become. 
after McCarthy leaving. Uh, I believe he has 30 more touchdowns in the last three seasons than he had in his last three seasons under McCarthy. So, I mean, I just think – I think it's the same with Brady and Belichick. I don't think it's as big of a gap. I think Belichick had a lot to do with the Patriots, but the gap between Rodgers and McCarthy and who was more uh, – who had more success – who deserves more credit is clearly Rodgers. It's not even close. Now, for Brady and Belichick, it's a different thing because the Matt Castle year when they went 11-5. and five, But uh, McCarthy, well, do you fire like him? McCarthy. I don't think so. I don't think they should fire him either. I like him, but I also think there needs to be some changes made, we'll uh, especially given the offensive line. We'll get to that. I we'll wrote some stuff on the – All right, the Chiefs had a slow start. T.J. Watt oh, recovered. Oh. And then there was the Cowboys thing at the end of the game where they spiked the ball – Oh God! <laughs> like the ref went and he like hit two offensive <laughs> linemen, marked the ball, ran back. They spike it, but they said it was after zeros. Yeah, well, people are saying the the quarterback draw by Dak was a stupid play. Yeah, it wasn't that smart of a call. But also, if he slides about five yards shorter, they probably have a second left to make a play. So I don't know. I mean, the way the the Niners were playing, that's so soft. The Cowboys should have gone, gotten a better chance in the end zone than they did. All right, Chiefs had a slow start. T.J. Watt recovered a fumble for a touchdown, but then they completely dismantled them, scored three quick touchdowns in the second quarter. 42-21, Chiefs beat the Steelers. Steelers didn't belong, let's be honest. And you knew whenever they were talking about uh, Najee Harris not fumbling all season, you knew he was going to fumble at some point, so he did. And uh, the Chiefs looked good, but – I'm telling you right now, I could see a scenario where the Bills beat them. On yeah, I mean, you had six backs Sunday. who didn't fumble all year. Yeah, I mean, it's hard to not fumble given a lot of the calls and the offensive lines that runners are going behind. I mean, you had Alvin Kamara who gets probably one of the most touches in the league. The good thing for him is that he swings into the outside a lot. A lot harder to fumble when you're, you know, on the outside than on the inside. Yeah, and then Austin Eckler, another guy who gets a lot of touches. On the outside as well, yeah. Then you have Najee Harris. He's Najee's a little bit more impressive because he's a bigger back, goes you know inside a lot, and the offensive line that he's behind in Pittsburgh is not good. Then Elijah Mitchell. Niners. Yep, Shanahan does a great job for him as well. And Leonard Fournette. Yep. And DeAndre Swift, and he's like the guy who really – him and Harris were like my surprises. I mean, younger running backs typically have more fumbling issues in the NFL, but that's not the case with those two. And those are, you know, SEC guys, Alabama and Georgia. Oh, and I forgot I had this um, NBA stat. Luca um, becomes the youngest NBA player to record 40 career triple-doubles. He's one of 11 players in NBA history to score 40 triple doubles. Uh, he scored half his tri- total triple doubles in, or scored half of the total triple doubles in Mavs history. That seems pretty good. Significant. And what is third or fourth year? Uh, I want to say four. What draft was that? Was that 18? With Aiton and Trey Young, uh, I think that was 18. So you got 18, 19, 19, 20, 20, 21, 20, 22. So, yeah, it's fourth season. Feels like he's been in the league longer than four. 
But, I mean, if he had a little bit of a better team around him and stayed a little healthier, they would probably have a lot more success in the playoffs than they've had with him, you would think, at least. Um, he's only played 13 playoff games in his career, so – Great player, though. Uh, okay, final game, which was a Monday night game, and I honestly don't really love the idea of a Monday night uh, playoff game. Kind of messes up the schedule, and I'm not saying that because of the Packers, but I also am saying that because of the Packers. Uh, the Rams' defense bodies Kyler Murray. The Cardinals were a complete no-show, 31-11, to and I knew this was going to happen. I mean, let's be honest, the Cardinals had the absolute makeup of a team that was not going to win a playoff game. Hot start. They were good with Colt McCoy. Kyler gets back, slows down, and then they lose the playoff game. So, yeah, Kingsbury's getting a lot of heat too. I don't know about not a team. I mean, they got J.J. Watt back. I think if they have DeAndre Hopkins for this game, it changes. I don't know. They lost by 20. Kyler could do absolutely nothing. He made some horrendous plays. I'm just saying, But if you have Hopkins. Yeah, it changes a little bit, but I don't think they win. I mean, Ramsey's on him instead of A.J. Green or Kirk. Yeah, I don't know. I just didn't think Arizona ever had a chance. They I just mean, don't you brought Ertz in. A... James Conner was looking good, but then they barely used him in this game. They had to start throwing pretty quickly. And Murray threw that, like, fastball, the James Conner out of the backfield on the screen that was tipped. Yeah, picked. And then he had that terrible out of his own end zone pick six, which we've seen Carson Wentz do. We saw Stafford do it against Tennessee. So that's a thing that they're doing now, I guess. And uh, maybe he should have listened to Joe Judge and did a QB sneak when they had third down backed up in their own territory. Uh, all right. We have the uh, playoff picture as of right now, teams remaining. We'll just do the, we'll just talk about the matchups and which matchups we have. Yeah, it's uh, Saturday. You get the Bengals at the Titans at three thirty, Central Standard Time on CBS, and then the Niners at Green Bay seven fifteen on Fox. Sunday, you get the Rams at the Bucks at two o'clock, and Sunday night you have the Bills at the Chiefs at five thirty. Yeah, we're not we're not in the East Coast time zone, but I do like five thirty start for that Bills Chiefs game. Because it's kind of, and I'm, I'm not someone who has to wake up early, but it's still kind of annoying when you got those games ending near 11 o'clock. It's like, what are we doing? Man, I don't know why it took them until the playoffs to do this, but 5.30 start, good by me. Like your Packers game is going to end around 11? Yeah, but that's a Saturday. It's a little bit of a different vibe. And hopefully, I mean, if they lose, I, I don't know what to do with myself, to be honest. I don't know if I can handle it. Well, I guess it would be better losing the division around the NFC Championship again. But whatever, we'll see. We'll, we'll what pick happened that game when they, these guys played in the regular season? Uh, the Niners had a late touchdown, and then Rodgers went down the field, 37 seconds, no timeouts. Crosby had a 51-yarder when he could still make field goals for the win, 30-28 to 28 final. So the Packers did beat them, which, you know, the Niners are a completely different team. But, hey, Jimmy Garoppolo is playing with a shoulder injury and a thumb injury, and – I I'm something tells me it's gonna be harder for him to play in that weather at Lambeau than it was in Dallas, but we'll see. Let us have Debo throw the ball a little more. Then that is the biggest concern, certainly, is what they can do with Debo and those guys. He also broke a record for most rushing yards by a receiver in a playoff game last week. 
Yeah, he's going to be a problem. That's why I didn't. I didn't want the Niners. I wanted. I wanted L.A. or Arizona, but whatever. What can you do? And I bet you'd rather would Would you rather your team play the Cowboys than the Rams? No. I mean, the Rams have a way better defense. I think the Cowboys have a defense that's opportunistic, but not that good. That's I'm the thing. Okay, I'm okay with who they're playing. Well, we'll see. We'll see. Matthew Stafford, one playoff win. Can he get two? I doubt it. All right. After last week, we had another coaching fire. Houston's David Coley. He never got a fair chance. This guy got screwed. And he probably knew that he was going to get screwed. I mean, that's a terrible situation. He got one season. Yeah, you got one season, and then you didn't get your your starting quarterback. Yeah, one season, and they actually looked pretty good with Davis Mills. You. You traded away like two running backs. They My traded f- away um, um, White or Merciless to the Packers. Yep. Really dumb. Really dumb. But it's not surprising that he didn't get a fair shake. So what can you do? And then um, I'd, I'd seen this article. Who'd be tougher? Oh, and Flores, Brian Flores already interviewed for the head coaching job at Houston. Yeah, I think we'll have a head coaching hiring here probably by the next episode. Seems like Flores is getting a lot of interviews, so maybe he'll get another chance. But this is on to our Cowboys subject. Who'd be tougher for the Cowboys to replace? Dan Quinn, their defensive coordinator, or Kellen Moore, their offensive coordinator? I think it's Dan Quinn. I don't think it's close because I think Kellen Moore is extremely overrated. I was going to say Kellen Moore because I feel like they could bring Fangio in to be their defensive coordinator. I mean, they could, but also maybe McCarthy. It feels like an awkward situation. You'd think McCarthy would probably want to be calling plays because that's what he's done almost his entire career. But now he's got to have this pretty much little kid compared to him call plays and not really call the same exact scheme that McCarthy has done his entire career. It feels like there's really no point in McCarthy even being the head coach if he's not calling plays. And he probably won't be good at it, but I think Kellen Moore's overrated. I don't I don't know. Just think of how how I feel like the younger coordinators in a lot of situations, especially big games, just like overcomplicate things. Like Troy Aikman, exactly what he said about you if you have uh Amari Cooper or CD Lamb one on one. Keep it simple. Throw it to them. They're probably going to make the play nine times out of ten. And the Niners were letting that happen a lot, and the Cowboys were not taking advantage of that. And that's a young coordinator trying to overcomplicate things and use his scheme and, you know, end-all, be-all is his scheme and it'll work and all that stuff. It just – I think that's a problem. And if I think the Cowboys would honestly – I think I don't know if Jerry Jones would, but I think a lot of Cowboys coaches would probably be fine with Kellen Moore getting a head coaching job. But I don't think he's going to because – Unless the team's stupid, the public perception of that hire is going to be terrible. And you go to Clown Town. Could do that. I mean, Jacksonville, beautiful place. We'll get to see uh, Kellen Moore really shine, I'm sure. I mean, I, there's so many other offensive coordinators that I would take in the league right now over him. I would take Leftwich. I would take uh, Hackett. I would take many other guys. So and Don't forget about – um, uh, Who? Um, defense coordinator for the Bucks, um, Todd Bowles. Yeah, 
I mean, I think he deserves another chance. He had the Jets, and they weren't good, but they weren't as big of a clown show as they were under Gase. So you got that going, and he never had a quarterback there either. So maybe if you get him in a place where he's got pieces on defense and a quarterback, things could change. I think Denver would be a nice spot for him, but I also don't think Denver's going to hire a defensive guy. Maybe they'll hire Kellen Moore, but uh, all right. They also still need a quarterback there. I wonder what they'll do at quarterback. I could see Jameis going there. I, I think Drew Locke has spent his time. Yeah, it's fair. All right, golf. Uh, yeah, last week we had the Sony Open in Hawaii. Winner Hideki Matsuyama wins 1.4 million, shot 23 under. If that was a bigger event, we would remember Hideki Matsuyama's three wood in the playoff. Yeah, on I, I mean the they, re, they replay. They replay eighteen, which Hideki was also down like five going into the back nine. Yep. And shot that, that shot was ridiculous. What he broke a record for most um, shots gained through putting. Yeah. I mean, what a year he's at. Winning the Masters, he won the uh, Zozo Championship. And then this, I mean, this event, you hit a three wood on your second shot into a par five into the sun where you can't see anything to like two feet. I mean, that's how you win right there. So yeah, he, mean, got it done. He, he murdered a drive. Um, yeah. Who's he? Henley. Russell he Henley, hit, yeah. He hit his into the rough. And then, I mean, had to lay, then had to lay up. And then Hideki hits a three wood two foot from the pin. Yeah, he can't beat that. And, I mean, Henley ended up with a six on the playoff to Hideki's Eagle. Yeah. But this weekend we have the American Express defending champion Siwoo Kim. Uh, they're playing on three different courses. Uh, the Quinta Country Club uh, in La Quinta, California. Also the PJ West and Nicholas Tournament Course. And Pete Dye Stadium course. I mean, three good courses, no doubt. In, and then, uh, Cali. I also, there was an article came out and someone had asked questions to Ke our boy Kiz. Oh. Question was, you can't, you can win anywhere, can't you? And he says, probably not. And then the guy responds, why show up? And he said, because they give away a lot of money for 20th. That's, I mean, that's good logic, right? It's not surprising that kids would say that. I mean, yeah, you can't win every tournament, but they still pay a lot for 20th. Yeah, they do. No doubt. I um, mean, and kids finished tied for third. Yeah, yeah third. good week. They tied for third, you get third. Somewhere around there. Tied for third. Shot 19 under. Had a good week. Had a good week. Uh, all right. College hoops. We have the uh, top 10 right now. A lot of yeah. movement. Uh, Gonzaga up one to one. Auburn up two to two. Arizona up three to three. Purdue up three to four. Baylor drops four to five after losing two games, ranked number one. Bay or Duke up two to number six, gonna fall after losing last night to Florida State in overtime by one. Kansas up two to seven. Wisconsin up five to eight. UCLA drops six spots to number nine, and Houston up one to number ten. I mean, this is the uh, 
classic case of the Big Ten, the Big uh, the Big Twelve, and the SEC are by far the three best conferences in the country right now. And after that, I think you put the Pac-12 and the Big East together, and the ACC is just an atrocity. Like, it is terrible. I still think Duke's good. Last night was bad because Florida State is not very good this year. Florida State does not have the typical lottery-style pick uh, that usually Leonard Hamilton has, which Scotty Barnes is an example of that. But the ACC is bad. After Duke, North Carolina got destroyed by Miami last night. I think Miami's good. I think they're a tournament team. I don't know how good they are. I didn't believe in them at all going into the season, but it's no. it's bad. I think Duke's still on the latency of I have to be in isolation for two weeks for the COVID. Yeah. But, but I mean, Florida State always has like length. Yep, they do. And a couple of guys who can shoot. And the way Duke spreads the ball and everything with that length, it limits driving and passing lanes, and that's Duke's offense. And then, I mean, other than Theo and Mark Williams, they don't have much size. I mean, yeah, P5 is 6'10", but he doesn't play much in the post. Florida State has a total of four seven-footers in their roster. Two of them don't play, but they have two that do play. So, yeah, and then they got 6'8", 6'9", 6'4", 6'7", 6'6", 6'6", 6'5". It's a big team. Caleb yeah. Mills is good. Matthew they, Cleveland. They never be. have, you know, like a six foot or six one point guard. Their point guard's always like six four bigger. Yeah, and you look back to uh past seasons with with him there, with um what the hell's his name? Leonard Hamilton there. Uh MJ Walker was running point last season, six five. I mean, that's a prime example of of the size that they always have. Yeah, I mean so. Jeremy Roach is like five eleven. Keels is only like six one. Yeah, it becomes a bit of a problem in those games. Um all right, what else we got? Uh Joe B. Hall passes at the age of ninety-three. He succeeded Adolph Rupp at Kentucky. He played for a national championship in nineteen forty-nine and won and coached and won in nineteen seventy-eight. He's only one of three people to do so. Only he's the only one to do it at the same school. Pretty good accomplishment. I mean, to be the guy who gets hired to coach at Kentucky after Adolph Rupp says a lot, given the fact that you know Kentucky plays at Rupp Arena. Major League Baseball. Uh, Carlos Correa hires Boris as his agent. He's going to get paid. I don't think I don't know how big of a needle mover this is in terms of who pays him or how much he gets paid, but whoever gets him, he's going to get paid. If the lockout ever ends, which it might never end, we don't know. No, and then the A's had Brad Osmus as their bench coach behind first year, uh, the A's new manager, Marcotte. Yeah, I mean Osmus got two chances as a manager was horrendous. One season with the Angels, they went seventy two and ninety. So he, he's a part of the classic Angels underachievement over the last decade. And he's not a good manager. And I'm surprised that any team wanted to give him a chance because I think he was getting some interviews to be a manager again after 2019's disastrous year with the Angels, which he didn't look too bad because everyone that's been the Angels manager is underachieved. So there you go. Uh, NHL, all-star game rosters were announced. 
Um, I mean, not too many surprises here in terms of uh, who, you know, is in, who's out. You've had injuries that have affected players in certain spots. Uh, some notable from the Metro division, uh, Ovechkin making his eighth appearance, Claude Giroux making his seventh, Jack Hughes his first, uh, Adam Pellick from the Islanders his first, Adam Fox from the Rangers his first. So some notable names there. The Atlantic division, you had uh, – Bergeron only his third, which is surprising to me, but I think he's probably been overshadowed by other elite centers. You would have to think as to how it's only his third. I don't know. Maybe he, I guess he's been more of a point producer the last few seasons than he was early in his career, but I don't know. It's weird. Um, yeah. yeah. Especially because when, you know, it was only the last couple of years where it's been the three on three thing before yeah. there was more players. Yeah, that's true. And he's a two way center. Yeah, Stamkos making his seventh appearance. Uh, Austin Matthews his fourth. First appearances for uh, Nick Suzuki and Rasmus Dahlin from the uh, Dahlin from the Sabers. Suzuki from the Canadians. Uh, a lot of first time appear appearances in the Central Division. I think McAvoy also made it. Yes. Yeah. Um, you had uh, Kyle Connor from the Jets. His first appearance. Alex DeBrinket's first from the Blackhawks. Avalanche Nazem Kadri's first. Uh, Minnesota Wilds. How did Kareem he make? Prezels oh, my first. God. Well, Kadri's had a huge offensive season. I know, but none of us can – nobody can stand him. I don't like him either, but he did – I mean, look at – he's got 49 points in 33 games. So, he did earn it in terms of his numbers, but nobody likes him. So, what can you do? Uh, Jordan – a cheap shot in the All-Star game. Probably will, for being honest. I can see it. Uh, Jordan Kairou's Ka- uh, first from the Blues. Kale McCarr from the Avalanche. UC Soros from the Predators. Cam Talbot from the Wild. All those guys making their first. So pretty much everyone on the Central Division roster, with the exception of Nathan McKinnon, Joe Pavelski, Which, and Clayton Keller all making their first. Cole McCarr surprised me that's only his first. Yeah, he's had a couple of big seasons. A couple of big ones. Uh, Pacific Division, obviously, McDavid, Dreisaitl. Are in Troy Terry from the Ducks had a huge season with goal scoring. His first Timo Meyer from the Sharks, Mark Stone from the Vegas Golden Knights, Adrian Kimpy from the Kings, all making their first. Thatcher Dimko, goaltender for the Canucks, making his first appearance. And Seattle's first all star in franchise history, Jordan Eberly. So there's the NHL all star game rosters, which will take place in February from Las Vegas, uh, February 5th, T Mobile Arena. Should be a very fun week in Las Vegas. Uh, Completely different city for the NHL to host in compared to what the NBA is hosting in with Cleveland. So, big difference there. Uh, the league will no longer test asymptomatic vaccinated players. Long overdue, in my opinion. They will still obviously be subject to testing between the U.S. and Canada. So, when they're crossing the border, they will still have to test, which is not surprising given the Canadian government. What can you do, though? The league can't really do anything about that. And uh, if Canada wants to ruin their own national sport – Whatever, do what you got to do. Um, this was sweet. Uh, they're, they're doing that while the U.S. is ruining and our MLB's ruling are ruining the U.S.'s. Our former national pastimes being ruined, yeah, which is not really a national pastime anymore because the NFL is the king in this country. So uh, baseball is boring as hell, and I think the new generation is just not a good fit for baseball. So I don't. Baseball is gonna have some trouble here. I don't know how it's gonna go down, but hopefully Manfred's out. But whatever. Uh, get a commissioner in there who actually cares about the sport and it's not a buffoon. Anyway, the Bruins retired Willie O'Ree's number, first black player in NHL history. Also read something that he played 
his uh, his career ninety five percent blind in his right eye. So, pretty great accomplishment there. Yeah, I mean, very good on the Bruins to do that. Um, you also had that whole Brad Marchand Vincent Trocheck thing where Marchand said it was. Him, comparing him to Trocek was like comparing a Lamborghini to a Prius. And then the Canes killed the Bruins last night. They were trolling about trolling the Bruins and Marchand about that. Then Marchand responded and said, uh, what did he say? He said, you're the reason why we're paying 20% escrow or something to the Canes, something like that. But uh, some good back and forth, which I think is always good for the league. You know. Of course, that would be Marchand. I'm on his side here. Trocek is nowhere near the player that Marchand is. Trocek's a good player, but come on. We can't compare the two. Uh, the Blues retired Chris Pronger's number 44, eighth player in franchise history to have a retired number in St. Louis. Now, I wish that I could name all eight because I wrote an entire article about this, but I literally cannot. So moving I, on. I could have gotten tickets for you and me to go to this game for cheap. Yeah, the, the uh, they had a big crowd there. But being unvaccinated, I wasn't going to get tested just to go to the game. Yeah, I think a lot of people probably feel the way that you do in that regard uh, about, you know, the overcomplication of what you have to do to get to a game when there's probably not a ton of spread actually at the game. But I mean, it's not even games anymore either. It's games, concerts. It's like anything. Yeah, I feel like the summer is going to be a lot more of a loose restriction thing, though. I think – Probably starting like June will be pretty back to normal, and then we'll—it's just a never-ending cycle. And October, people will start to freak out again, and then we'll be back. So, uh, college football. Uh, Jerry Rice's son Brendan Rice is transferring from Colorado to USC. Never heard of him, to be honest. Uh, neither have I. Uh, former Zoo defensive tackle Wingo transferring to LSU. Which didn't they have a linebacker named Wingo a, um, years back? That sounds familiar. I don't remember though. Well, I just wondered if they were related. Uh, former Florida State quarterback Purdy to transfer to Nebraska. So maybe Nebraska gets some more notoriety. Chuba Purdy. <laughs> I have never heard of this guy, but it's Brock Purdy's brother who Brock is, was the quarterback at Iowa State. So maybe he'll be good. We don't know. And then ex-Ohio State or Ohio State defense coordinator Coombs to join the Bearcats. A lot of Ohio State ties on that staff, so it's not surprising that they made that move. Uh, all right, let's do the pick segment of the show. We'll start with the American Express uh, golf event. Um, I went 13 and four last week. I now went 10, sitting, 10 and six. Now sitting at 315 and 268. I'm 311 and 265. I went one and one in the NBA, two and oh in hockey, five and one in college basketball. The one I lost was my pick for West Virginia to upset Kansas. Uh, I got Kevin Kisner to finish in the top five, and then I went four and two in the NFL. I went five and one in the NFL, three and three in college basketball, one and one in both the NBA and the NHL, and zero for five in golf. Uh, my NFL, I lost on the Patriots plus four and the Cardinals plus three and a half. I was a big enough idiot to think the Eagles could cover, so I lost on that one. So. Yeah, I told you that though. Yeah, it was dumb. Uh, all right, American Express, La Quinta, California, 
Who are your picks to win, to finish top five, and to finish top ten? I got Patrick Cantley at plus 900, Tony Finau at plus 2,000, and Ricky Fowler at plus 5,000 to win. John Rahm at plus 100 to top, finish top five, and Sung J M at plus 160 to finish top 10. All right, I'm going Scotty Scheffler plus 1,600 to win. Corey Connors plus 2,200 to win, and uh, it's big odds, but he played pretty well in the first half of the Hawaii event a couple weeks ago, the Century Tournament of Champions. Phil Mickelson plus 10,000 to win, and it's his home home state, so I'll, I'll take the odds on that. And um, to finish top five, I'm taking Abraham Answer, who's behind me on this golf magazine with Mark Wahlberg on the cover on the left. So shout out to him, plus 450 to finish top 10. And then astronomical odds in favor of Rom to finish top 10, minus 200. I had to take it. Why not? Uh, feels like a safe bet with the way he's been playing. Uh, let's go to the NBA picks for uh, tonight. I got the Nets plus one over the Wizards and the Lakers minus five over the Pacers. I talked up the Cavs a lot earlier and how good they were, but I'm going to take the Bulls plus three over the Cavs and the Celtics minus three over the Hornets. So a couple of field goal spreads in the NBA. All right, NHL. Uh, yeah, for tomorrow, I got the Penguins minus 280 over the Senators and Vegas minus 340 over the Canadians. Give me the Bruins minus 145 over the Capitals and the Avalanche minus 190 over the Kings. All right, college hoops, Thursday games, who do you like? Uh, Purdue at Indiana, I'm taking Purdue. Uh, Georgetown at Providence, taking Providence. Uh, give me Gonzaga over San Francisco. and What should be a pretty good West Coast Conference tilt, but <laughs> Gonzaga scored about 400 points in the last three games, so that's going to be hard to hard to stop. Uh, and then give me Boise State over Utah State in a little Mountain West action Friday. Um, Michigan State at Wisconsin, taking Wisconsin. And then uh, Missouri Valley, Evansville at Illinois State, taking Illinois State. I think we're picking the same games. Did you did you take the – did you say Wisconsin? Yeah. I'm taking Michigan State over Wisconsin and Illinois State over Evansville. Boom, Saturday. Um, Kentucky at Auburn, taking Auburn. LSU at Tennessee, taking LSU. I'm taking Auburn over Kentucky as well. I think Jabari Smith is a generational talent. I don't care what anybody says. He does everything. I said it on the other College Hoops podcast earlier in the week. Jabari Smith would be great in any era of college basketball. So Auburn's going to win. Uh, I think give me Wake Forest to beat North Carolina on Saturday. That should be an interesting ACC matchup. Wake Forest is actually pretty decent. North Carolina doesn't look like it so much, but – any excuse to watch ACC basketball or to not watch it, you know, I, I think a lot of people would not want to watch it, but this will be a fine game. Uh, NFL divisional round Saturday games. We'll start Titans, Bengals. Who do you like? Uh, this is the only one I hadn't picked yet because I wasn't sure. Derrick Henry's back, right? Yes. I'm taking the Bengals plus three and a half. I'm going to take the Titans minus three and a half. I think the Titans are going to go on a bit of a run. I think we're going to see a Titans and uh, the team that I said earlier would win in the AFC Championship. I think I'm not be... saying the Titans aren't going to aren't going to win. I just don't think it's going to be by more than three. It'll be a good game. Good game. Big test for Joe Burrow. See where he's really at because the Raiders. I mean, they're fine, but it's a little bit of a step up. Could uh, come down right. to a Randy Bullock game-winning field goal. That's happened multiple times this season. It could. Uh, Packers Niners Lambo. 
I'm taking the Niners plus six. Packers, yeah, Packers win, but I wanted to take the Niners plus the six, but I'm just going to try to trust my team. I never trust them. They always lose anyway. What's it matter? I think this team's different. I think they have a chance to finally maybe get to the Super Bowl. That'd be nice, but uh, I'll take the Packers minus six. Maybe I'm falling into a trap because I see many scenarios where the Packers lose this game, but I'm going to roll with it. Don't care if I'm wrong. Don't care if I'm right. Whatever. Actually, I do care if I'm right in this regard. But uh, okay, uh, first game on Sunday: Rams at Bucks. I'm taking the Bucks minus three. I feel like the Rams are either going to get killed in this game or win. I don't know. And the Rams, I believe, are two and zero against the Brady-led Buccaneers the last two seasons. They went in there with Golf on a Monday night game last season in uh, early December, I believe. And they won. And then this season they beat them in LA. So I think the Bucks are getting Levante David, Fournette, and Ronald Jones back. That'll be big, but I, I'm gonna take the Rams plus three. I don't know if they'll win, but I think they can keep it close, cover it, maybe lose by one, maybe lose by two, maybe actually win the game. I'll take the Rams plus three, and I'm probably gonna regret it. All right, a Sunday night earlier start, Bills Chiefs. Chiefs minus two and a half. I like the Bills plus two and a half. Uh, I just I got a feeling that they're gonna make a bit of a run here. Maybe finally get past the Chiefs. Maybe exercise some demons here. So either I'm gonna open up more in our picks, or you're gonna gain on me because we picked opposite on every football game. This will be a big swing week. Big swing week. We will see what happens, and uh, we'll see you next week for number forty-eight. No footy. I, no footy. I am retiring those for now. It's been pretty bad recently. Forgot to mention that retiring them. Uh, 53, 32, and 4 overall. Slight retirement for those. I'll probably bring them back maybe at a later date, but uh, there's so many things to pick right now. I'm trying to focus on the things that count for my actual record. So, so what did you go last week? I don't even remember calculating it, but I think I was like 5 and 3 or something. So it was still going pretty well, but I'm going to retire those just for a little bit. So. Yeah, slight retirement. Uh, We'll be back on the 26th of next week for number 48, and we will see you then. Lots to cover then next week. Deuces.